practically, let's talk about how do you deal with temptation because temptation in and of itself is not sin. In fact, the scripture says that Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, Hebrews 4, but he did not sin. So how do we, how do we live in that tension of temptation is real, but we don't yield to it and we don't sin? Welcome to No Sanity Required, from the ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. Um, yeah, I think a couple things that are really helpful, uh, first, for me personally, is, you know, Scripture says over and over to be sober-minded, right? And so, it's really important for me, when I am dealing with a temptation to sin, to realize, okay, what's happening here? And realize I'm being tempted to sin against God. And I want to constantly be aware of the holiness of God. That my sin is a transgression of God's holiness. I'm setting myself up in opposition to God, which I want to then be reminded of the gospel. Right? To be able to step back. Like the, uh, the reformers talked about this idea of living in the face of God. Right, that we God is always like He is He is watching all of our thoughts and all of our actions, and it's and it's important for me to realize the gravity of my sin against the Holy God. So I want to I want to be <clears throat> I want to see the temporary sat- and to, you know to even just think sober minded, right? To to think okay, I'm tempted to do this, and what I'm temp- what I'm tempted to do is I'm tempted to get a temporary satisfaction that is that is followed by immediate regret and shame. That's what I'm being tempted with. Mm. You know, instead of being able to step back and be like, That's okay, yeah. so I'm tempted to lie, cheat, steal, lust, whatever. And I know, I know that that's going to give me this little satisfaction, but it's not worth it. Good way to put it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I know that, and, I mean, that's what's so crazy because most of us aren't surprised by our sin. We're not really taken off guard. It's something that, we see, okay, it starts to get more familiar. We're like, yeah, I'm going to choose to sin against God. I'm choosing. And we need to really step back and be like, okay, I know that if I do that, that is, I'm sinning against God's holiness. I'm sinning against the, I mean, I'm, I'm transgressing the gospel. I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm doing in that is, I'm saying, yeah, I do not love God. I, I don't, I'm, I, 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 uh, I don't fully appreciate the grace of God in the gospel for my salvation. You know, in a, in a simple way, I think with with my kids, I'll talk to my kids and really straightforward. I'll, I'll say, "This is what you said to your mom, your, to your mother today. You said this, and the way that that you're basically saying that you don't love and care for her like you should." Oh no, no, no! no. But that's the way you're acting, you know. And that's when, with us, with a holy God, and and even to realize that it's not going to satisfy. I'm, to me, that's so helpful to step back and be like, okay, time out. Yes, this seems so appealing right now. When I make this decision, I'm instantly going to regret it. And so then I think it's helpful to step back, be sober-minded, to think through that. And then also to <clears throat> remove obstacles. On a practical level, just remove obstacles. Oh, yeah, I know that if if I do this, if I go there, if I allow myself to think this, I'm going to be tempted with this, this, and this. So I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm going to remove, I'm going to put myself in a better position to grow in the Lord and not to sin. I'm, 
I'm going to intentionally take part in my own sanctification, my own growth towards Christ-likeness, and I'm going to set myself up to do the things that I really want to do instead of setting myself. Because what's so weird is I see so often, like, we are constantly setting ourselves in a place where we're going to be tempted. Yeah. You know, because I think there's something about, you know, this war that you're talking about, this battle with our flesh, that we still have these longings for this sin. And there's something about our sinful flesh that wants to be tempted by that. Yeah. There's something exciting, exhilarating. And so we, we're, we're automatically setting ourselves up for failure because we're putting ourselves on track to be tempted because our sinful flesh wants to be tempted. And if we do that, there's a, a much greater chance. We're open up the possibility to fall into temptation and then to, to sin. And so I think setting ourselves up and removing obstacles. And then the third and the, I think just most practical is to get real accountability. And like I can remember, I, there's, there are some guys in my life right now who they have a, a constant struggle with looking at pornographic content on their phone. And I will tell them at the moment where you think you're looking at your phone, I want to look at this, just call me. That's all you got to do, right? Call me. Because when, because you got to get out of that. It feels, I put myself in this situation, mm-hmm. now I have to sin. It's inevitable, this is what I'm going to do. Well, it just so happens that the device that you're going to be looking at this content you don't want to look at can also be used. Call me, and we'll, and I'll talk you off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, I just want to let you know, man, right now is really difficult for me. Okay, well, let's talk about other things. Go outside. Let's meet up. Let's, you know, whatever. Like, but a lot of times you just need someone to, yeah. to because if I called you at that time, it'd be like, whoa, all right. Yeah, I'm so glad you called. I was getting ready to do something stupid. So, yeah. So I think sober-minded, think of the reality remove obstacles, get accountability. What else? Yeah. And accountability, don't, don't box that in that you need, you need peer accountability. So you need some godly friends, but you also need some pastoral or shepherd like or fatherly. You need, you need some accountability from a parent, a youth pastor, a pastor, an older person in the faith that you trust. You know, if you're 17, you need accountability with some 16, 17, 18 year old peers. You also need someone who's older that you know, can speak into that. Uh, I I thought of something that that I preached recently um, as a as a kind of a point or a thought in a sermon. We're going through Romans in, at church right now, and um, I believe it was in Romans seven. It was either six or seven. We're talking about why why is there a desire to break the law of God? What we're talking about, we're talking about sin, ultimately you're talking about breaking the law of God. Um, and why is there such a desire? And, and there's two reasons. I think recognizing why you want to yield to temptation. So in that moment that, Zach, you're talking about, you know, the phone's in the hand. Why do I want to do this right now? Obviously, there's some instant self-gratification that is, is also going to bring that immediate remorse. Right. But... Also, but why does that gratify me? Mm-hmm. So, so go one layer down, peel a little bit further down and back. And there's two things going on. One, every human who is born as a seed of Adam and Eve desires self-autonomy. That means I want to be in charge. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Now, for some of us, that comes out more strongly. Like, that is a very strong thing in, in me as a person. Uh, when I think back to when I was not a Christian, that's a consistent that comes from the unsaved Brody to today. I don't want, if this, like, literally, if the speed limit is X, I want to do Y. If, if the rule is do this or don't do that, I just something in me wants to go against that. Literally, and a lot of times it's almost like comical. It's like I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, watch this. Yeah. (laughs) And so why is that? It's because rooted in the seed of Adam is a desire to rebel against the high throne of heaven, the the, the authority of God. There's a desire to to self-govern. And the the second root of the desire to sin is... um, that there is a fleshly, there is a natural draw towards the forbidden. Right. Not just that I'll be in charge, but there's something in me that wants it. Like I want to do this. So as soon as it's not forbidden, it's like I don't. There's not as much of a desire right. anymore. That's why. Um, that's why I remember as a kid, and I grew up. Some of you know uh, my. You you guys all know my background. Some of our listeners will know it, but I grew up in a in a. A, a, a Christian or, or um, religious background that was very rules-based, what we would call legalistic, or there was legalism. There was a lot of rules and legality, and you have to follow certain rules to, to be considered a good Christian. And I remember one of those rules was you cannot listen to secular music. You can't listen to secular music. And I remember trying to come up with alternatives to secular music and never being satisfied because there were, there was no good alternative to secular music. Well, now <laughs> in this generation, there are good alternatives to bad music. Now we, we loosen the lines on that and we say, it's okay to listen to music for entertainment purposes. That isn't destructive. Doesn't, doesn't promote sinful things. Doesn't have to be definitively Christian. Right, we all agree with that. That's a stance we would take. You can listen to music that doesn't have a negative message. It's not bad, but it doesn't have to be Christian per se. Right. Okay, so it can be it can be wholesome or healthy or fun entertainment. Okay, there's something in there was something in teenage me that I see in students today. There's a desire to listen to that which is vile and depraved right. and that celebrates wickedness. I want to listen. Why is it that so much music that goes straight to the top of the charts is loaded with pornographic terminology, degrading to women, sexually perverse, or rebellious in nature? There, right. throughout history, there, uh, of, of, like modern history of music, music has every generation has had music that is just rebellious against the establishment. Remember, twenty years ago, there was a. A group called Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. as in y'all's era. What, what is that all about? It was just about raging against established organization of, of rules. You know, like, uh, like. so there's something in the heart of a person that says, I want to do what's forbidden just because. Mm-hmm. And wh- why, so how do we explain that? It's the fallenness of man. Right. It's when we say man is depraved, his nature is fallen, I want to do what, what's forbidden? I just desire it. So the two roots of all this is I want to be in charge and I want to do what's forbidden. Those two, and that, We see that in the first sin in the garden. That, right. That's what was at work. And it has been ever since. I, I think it's important that you're talking about this is a desire level issue. You know, Galatians 5 
16 and 17 talks about that. But a lot of times we try to attack this on a motivation uh, level or on like a habits level to where like if I can get psyched enough, I can stop looking at porn on my phone. Or if I can build in these habits, I can start. But we're missing the, the underlying. This is a desires level issue. So really when the scripture says make every effort or discipline yourself for godliness, we see it and think I need to get more motivated. I need to get up earlier and things like that. But I think it's more that our mind needs to be renewed. Like right. that our desires need to be right. The way that we discipline ourselves for godliness is by having our desires changed. It right. was, since a desire level problem, our minds have to be renewed. And from that, we'll have to chisel in some healthy habits, you know, to, to support that. But I think the, the baseline, like you're saying, is a desire level problem. So we got to attack those desires and you can't psych yourself up to change what you want. It has to be mm-hmm. a mindset change that has to be reset by scripture. I think that's good. I think that's the, the, the battle of Romans seven, and then he takes us to Romans eight of yeah, you, you life in the spirit. Set your mind, you know, that your mind would be set on the spirit, because the, the mind's on the flesh, that's death. But the mind's on the spirit, man, that's life and righteousness and peace. And so that that's where our desires, our desires and our behavior will match up when we're in submission to the Spirit of God. Um, that's good. I, and I think uh, there's the positive side of this is I think what James is talking about is these are all opportunities to grow. Like not not just right. not just see it as I'm this constant battle. Every day is going to be a drag out, knockout fight. But but that. Yes, and you can grow, like you can mature in your faith as you do that, like as you respond to all these different trials, not all of them are temptation, but temptation falls within trials of various kinds. So, man, face that with faith, and and then he says, ask for the wisdom to know how to do that. Like, ask God to practically give you wisdom, I think first, to recognize all this as for what it is. When I, when I see this temptation, this difficult situation, it is an opportunity to grow in the faith, to grow in my relationship with Christ, and then ask God, like, all right, how do I, like, I, so I think on one level, pray every day for the wisdom to recognize trials for what they are and temptation for what they are, and then in the moment to pray for the wisdom, how do I respond right now to this trial? Yeah, that's, okay, so that was our next question. So let me read that passage, and then we'll just continue talking about that in James 1. Uh, two through four says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Yeah. And I think that is what you both were talking about, right? That this, that God is still in control. God is still good. He's still giving good gifts to his children and that these, these trials and these tests that we're going through, ultimately, God is using these to make us more like Jesus. Yeah. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So it, it is. that it's, it's good what we were talking about earlier. It's good that this is a struggle, right? It's, it's good that this is a struggle because you're, that shows that you are God's child. Yeah. And yeah. God is using this not to beat you down, but to make you more like Jesus. And then that's so good because d- directly after this. And this, people take this passage out of context all the time. They ask for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's not, he's not just talking about asking for this weird, random, like, yeah. uh, 
just wisdom in general, but wisdom in how do I deal with this trial? Yeah. And that's what we see over and over in James, right? Because he later on he says, oh, every good and perfect gift is from above. Well, what's he talking about? Trials and temptations that you're going through. This, see this as a gift from God that he is, like we were talking about even earlier, we're struggling. It's a healthy struggle that we're going through that God's, God's desire in this is to make us more like Jesus. That's good. Yeah. Remember, uh, I think it's First Peter 4, 1 that says something, I don't have it memorized exactly, something like, because Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. Same because thinking, this, yeah. yeah, same understanding, same way of thinking. Because he who has suffered in the flesh is free from sin. There's uh, obviously resurrection repercussions and impl- implications there. But also the idea that how did Jesus suffer in the flesh? Physically, yes. Sure. At, 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 at the cross, the passion of the Christ, there was suffering, physical angst and anguish, 100%. But the God who knew no sin... condescended, descended, became human, was a seven-year-old, was an 11-year-old, was a 15-year-old, was a 21-year-old, was a 27-year-old single man. Mm -hmm. Right. That is suffering in the flesh to contend against temptation and desire that he didn't know as God. Um, And so when we suffer, so, so the scripture draws the idea that that temptation is part of suffering, like it is a That's it right. is a result of the fallenness of man that we would be tempted, um, and so when we arm ourselves with the mind that Christ had, the understanding that Christ had, puts put temptation in its context, then then we're going to have victory over it. Well, and I love that you brought that up because it, he says, "Arm yourselves <clears throat> the same way of thinking." Right? It says for those who have ceased from sin. It, uh, you've ceased from sin. It says to live no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Yeah, I, that's right. Yeah. So it's like, so yeah, we are we are suffering. Jesus has suffered through this. Jesus has led the way, and now has en- enabled us enabled us to not live for human passions, but for God's will. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.